We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. And today we have a special guest on the show. It's former NFL defensive lineman Corey Wooten, who's now doing work with the Believe in Bears podcast. The CHGO, I hope I pronounced that right, Chicago analyst. And he's a Fox Sports analyst. This dude does it all. He's also a Northwestern graduate. And as a Badger fan, I can't say I love that aspect <laughs> of his life. But, you know, what? we never had too much beef with Northwestern because besides the fact that, like, I was just never smart enough to get in there, I applied to a bunch of Big Ten schools. Didn't even have a shot at Northwestern, so I didn't even apply to that <laughs> one. But you know what? He's one of those smart dudes from Northwestern doing his thing. And he also is a New Jersey native, if I'm correct. Played at Don Bosco. Sorry, so... This is all good stuff. We're excited to talk Bears Giants with Corey. How are you doing today, my friend? Man, I'm I'm doing great. You know, I'm from I'm originally from Rutherford, right? Uh, right by Giants Stadium, right, right? You know, it's five minutes from there. So, uh, where where, where are you guys from? I'm from West Orange, New Jersey, which is somewhat close, and Nick's from a little out west. Okay. Yeah, I'm from a okay. little town called Necon that no one knows about, so I usually just claim yeah. more town. <laughs> I, I've never been out there, but I always see it, you know, on on the signs when you when you're when you're driving on uh, what is it like Route 80 or something like that or 46, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. so where are you based Corey, out of now, Corey? So I I live out in St. Louis right now. So my wife is from here. We've been out here uh, since I retired, actually. So uh, yeah, the cost of living is is a lot cheaper here in uh, St. Louis than than North Jersey, especially. Bur- County, man, it's crazy. <laughs> Whatever they pass off as pizza in St. Louis, that's that's what you miss out on. I think you're missing out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the food is a little bit different, but they have a really good uh, Italian section called the Hill and uh, okay. some authentic food over there. So it's nice. it, don't, don't sleep on St. Louis Italian okay. style. I know it's not the same as the East Coast, but they have a really good uh, Italian food around here. Man, we're going to have to check that out, Dan. Corey, I got to ask, I know you played the New York Giants. Was that game in the Meadowlands? So, uh, actually, the the first time we ever played against them, I it was my rookie year. It was at the Meadowlands, but I was inactive for that game. I think it was like the third game in the season, so I was a rookie, still trying to learn the ropes. And then I played in preseason 2012, and then 2013 we played at uh, Soldier Field. Um, when they had Brandon Jacobs and, and uh, Eli Manning and all those guys, Victor Cruz and, and all of them. So it was a it was a good game. We won that one. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, it was a tight one. Yeah, it must have been cool coming home. Even though you were inactive, it must have just been cool to walk through that tunnel and, and, and be out there in East Rutherford, especially since you're from that area. But um, we're excited exactly. to talk Bears-Giants with you today. It's a big matchup. Who would have thought that one of these two teams will finish Sunday with a 3-1 and record? That is going into this season unexpected, to say the least. So I want to start off by talking a little bit about what the new coaching staff has kind of brought over to the offensive side of the ball for the Bears, because everything that we've seen so far has been pretty straightforward. The offensive line, 
I would say better than expected, just in the sense that they've been run blocking so well. The pass blocking, I think I saw 20. I don't I don't really me and Nick don't subscribe much to the pro football focus rankings. And I'm sure you probably have some opinions on that. Exactly. I mean, who the hell is charting these games? They're paying like interns to chart these things. But um, yeah. you know, on paper, at least they haven't pass blocked as well. What would you say is is where would you say Justin Fields is at right now from a pre and post snap processing standpoint? We talk a lot about that on this podcast because it's something our quarterback mm-hmm. struggles with at times. Yep. And and where would you say he's at now within the system? Man, he, he's really been struggling to be honest with you. I thought in the in the first game uh, against the 49ers, right in the first half, he pretty much got shut out, right? In the second half, they made some adjustments. He was able to use his feet, and then he threw for two touchdowns, had a couple really big plays, led the Bears to three uh, touchdown drives in, in that uh, second half. And then he plays Green Bay, really struggles, right? They, they have a, a good first drive, and then after that, they fizzle out. And uh, this past week against the Houston Texans, throws two errant throws. Uh, you know, I think he was under 100 yards passing. Um, it, it's so different from what we saw in the offseason, the preseason, especially that, that third preseason game uh, where he, he only had one incompletion, seemed very comfortable, you know, with the checks and reads. And right now it looks like he's thinking too much, right? He doesn't seem that confident. And there was a couple times because uh, the Bears like to run a lot of boots to get him on the move. There's a couple times when we know there was an obvious safety or corner coming off the edge, screaming at that boot. And, you know, normally a quarterback would see that and check to a run the other the other side of the formation. He didn't do that. He took a sack there. And then, you know, the past game, he uh, he threw really two bad interceptions, one off his back foot. He kind of just flicked it out there. And the other one, it was it wasn't even close. So. It seems like to him, he's pushing too much. He's trying too hard. I know you guys have had a quarterback, Daniel Jones, has kind of been struggling as well. He looked a little bit better this this year, but in years past, it seems like he was the same kind of pressing. He's hearing all the media down his back. So I, I, I say like this, the, the biggest thing he has to do is just flush that. You know, do not worry about anything else, right? Just go back to the basics. Take what the defense gives you. And I think any young quarterback in this league needs to do that, right? Because you look at the greats, you know, even when Aaron Rodgers played the Bears, right, he only had 200 yards. For him, that's that's not a great game. But he said, hey, I took what the defense gave me. Our running game was working. And that's kind of what, what Justin Fields and the Bears need to do because, like you talked about, the running game, that's their that's arguably their, their greatest strength. Got to establish the run. And I wanted to ask you a little bit with Justin Fields. He's in Luke Getze's offense. Luke Getze is a branch off of the Nathaniel Hackett tree, and we've seen the struggles in Denver with Russell Wilson kind of fitting into Nathaniel Hackett's offense, which is very similar to Getze's, and it's mostly a rhythmic offense. Do you think that is doesn't really mesh well with what Justin Fields is doing right now, and it's just an uncomfortability thing that he can eventually learn and progress in this system and possibly start to get right against the Giants here in week four? Yeah, I, I think Luke Getzey just needs to go back to the basics, right? Regardless of, of what you were thinking the game plan was going to be for the season or Justin Fields, you have to go to a run-heavy offense, right? And I think that's going to set things up for Justin Fields because if you look at the, the plays where he's done well passing the ball, it's been after some runs, some hard play actions, getting him on the move, um, allowing him to use his feet. That's where he's comfortable. You know, there's some quarterbacks that can that can stand in the pocket and complete passes. Others like Justin Fields, it gets his confidence up when he's a little bit outside the pocket. And then you you have him, you know, one-on-one on a defensive end with the option to run or pass. So I think that's how he gets comfortable. So Luke Getzey really needs to have this uh, offense to be a run-first team and work everything else off of it. Because right now it's not working, you know, trying to just sit there and drop back. He needs that confidence with the running game. It allows him to, to be confident out there. Yeah, I would think a quarterback like Justin Fields at this stage of his career could could benefit from a lot of RPO concepts like that to really exactly. make it. Yeah, and that's something their Giants are doing a little bit better job of this year with Daniel Jones. They haven't always in the past. I want to talk a little bit about the Bears run game. It's been very successful despite everything we just went over about Justin Fields struggles and the passing game struggles. Last week, the Giants fa- faced a Dallas Cowboys team with a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. And the Giants played a lot of single high. They really did a lot of things that would make you think, okay, we're looking to stop the run. And yet they were gashed by the run game. And what me and Mick, what what we and Nick did when we evaluated the film, at least our opinion on it was, it was less so the loss of Leonard Williams on the interior. And it was more so two things. One, they were beat by scheme. Dallas did a great job of running to the edge and lateral runs have been an issue for the Giants for a while with their linebacker unit as it is. And two, 
you know, we didn't we didn't really see the Giants. I guess it, we didn't. It's not that we didn't see it. The Giants didn't do as good a job as they did in the first two weeks of setting the edge in the run game with two edge guys they had out there. One was a rookie. One's Ojalari. It wasn't Jihad Ward. I mean, they they for the first two weeks they had a two hundred ninety pound edge, quote unquote, setting the edge, and it really helped to have him at, as a stand up backer. So. Looking at this Bears run game and why it's been so successful, is it more of a lateral run game where they look to get to the edge? Is it are they looking to beat the uh, or beat the Giants in the interior? How does it match up against what the Giants do well from a run defense standpoint? Yeah, so so it's a little it's a little bit more of an edge run, right? A lot of, a lot of stretch zone and things of that nature, um, especially out of out of uh, twenty one personnel is probably their 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 best running formation. You know, they have a really good fullback uh, Blazing game who has. I mean, the plays that he's out there, I think in the in the two games, uh, the Packers game and this past game, I think they've averaged at least eight yards a pop with him in there. So it's been pretty impressive with him out there. Um, yeah, so they really try to get that edge. And the thing is, uh, Khalil Herbert, especially Montgomery, is we have two really good backs, right? But Khalil Her- Herbert, he has that home run speed. And once he hits that edge, like, g- good luck. You know, Giants are really going to have to bring their their best game as far as setting the edge, um, something that they struggle like you talked about in that Cowboys game. So, yeah, Khalil Herbert, in my opinion, I think he's a better runner than David Montgomery. I think Montgomery can do a little bit of everything, right? He's a great blocker. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's super underrated running the ball too, but Khalil Herbert just has that home run speed, and he can break tackles as well. I think in the games he's played, um, even dating back to last year, he's averaging over six yards a carry. It's, it's unbelievable, his stats. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, everything with Justin Fields struggling and whatnot, they're really going to try to get the run game going, especially after watching that Cowboys film and showing, like like you said, we can, we can exploit the edges, you know. And, and right now the, the Bears O-line, they're doing a really good job uh, run blocking. That's, that's their greatest asset. And I think it's taking the pressure off them, pass blocking as well, because when you can mix and match, it makes it a lot easier for the offensive line. Yeah, I got to say, man, Chicago right now ranks second in the league in rushing yards, and the Giants are fourth. These two teams run parallel to each other. This is going to be an ugly, sloppy, like 19 to 13, 16 to 13 type of game. Pick up the kickers in fantasy football, more than likely type of football game. And I got to, we've tipped our cap to to Kellen Moore, and I wanted to get your opinion on how Luke Getze has incorporated tight ends who aren't in line. They're in two point stance, about. Mm three to five yards off the tackles ass a little bit, yep. right? And then wide receivers, how do they utilize those players as blockers on the edge? Because that's really how Kellen Moore took advantage of the Giants. It wasn't just like a tackle beating an edge rusher and the cave on Thibodeau not setting an edge. It was the down block. It was the angles and it was the leverage yeah. of the wide receivers and tight ends. Is that something that Getsy has used in the previous three games? Yeah, he, he's used that really well. And I talked about with that fullback, he was using him as setting the edge as well, because you know how that is. You don't see too many fullbacks in the league right now. And, and as a former player, I always hated going against teams that had a great fullback, right? Because you you know it meant they were going to run the ball down your throat. They were, they were going to try to make it evident. So, yeah, there's a lot of down blocks by the tight ends. Um, you know, Kokomet is a really good blocker out there. Uh, Griffin as well. And then we have uh, some good receivers that can block. Aquamius St. Brown, he's been he's been great uh, blocking, like down the field. Like it's, it's really been great to see. Um, but yeah, like I said, they're 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 best when they're doing some of those down zone blocking schemes, and you know they're blocking down with the tight end, and then putting uh, that fullback on the edge blocker because he's really a road grader in there. You know, so I, I think it's going to be a tough game for both of these guys. And and you talked about it, like these teams are very similar, right? We're both kind of missing like that number one receiver, right? We have a very good running game. Both quarterbacks, people aren't sold on. Um, you know, with with the exception of last week, I thought you guys have done a great job stopping the run. So that's what was was kind of uh, nerve wracking for me because I was like, hey, you know, we run the ball well. You guys have been stopping the run. So I think this is a pivotal game for both teams to kind of see the direction of where this season could potentially go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the, the the key matchup is what you just said. The Giants run defense against Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert right now, for those who don't know, is the best kept secret in the NFL. And I'm not just saying that because I was all over him in, in <laughs> what March of before he was drafted. He was my favorite prospect at that position in the class. When I watched him at Virginia Tech, I really was reminded. I said it and it was people thought I was crazy. I was reminded a little bit of Tiki Barber just in the style of how he runs. It's a very and, and also kind of more like a Maurice Jones drew somewhere in between there because he's a little bit sure. of a bigger back. And I don't know what the status is on David Montgomery, but what would you be your expectation regardless of Montgomery's health? If Montgomery were to play, do you still think that we're going to see a big a big dose of Khalil Herbert in this game? 
Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think so because I think they see how valuable he is. And you talk about, you know, running backs now really aren't getting paid like they used to. So if the Bears, in their opinion, they're like, why not play Khalil Herbert? He's a younger guy. David Montgomery is in a contract year. Um, so, hey, let's let's give him the rock. But I'm just hoping David Montgomery doesn't try to come back too early, right? Because when, when he's healthy, I, like I said, I, I think he's one of the most underrated backs for everything he can do. You know, there's not too many guys that can block, catch the ball in the backfield, and run downhill as well. His, his ability to break tackles as well. But my thing is I hope he sits out till he's healthy because Khalil Herbert, I mean, arguably you can, you can make an argument that he's he's up there as one of the top backs in the league, um, you know, just his running ability. I mean, it's, it's really impressive to, to see him out there. If you actually watch the tape, like he, yeah. he is one of the best runners, in, like with the ball right now, like break, breaking tackles, and and he has like the difference between him and Montgomery is just the speed, like the way he hits that hole, it's unbelievable. Oh, he's like he's and and his stiff arm is unbelievable. Like he's he's making linebackers look like you know chump change out there. He got the nickname Juice for a reason at college. Yeah, he he has juice. He has juice. Certainly got juice. He's definitely not parched. But Corey. Let's talk a little bit about these wide receivers because the New York Giants right now, they invested a huge contract into Kenny Galladay, $72 million. <laughs> and he is not playing anywhere near that. So I honestly feel like kind of the current state of the Giants wide receivers almost mirrors how bad these Chicago Bears wide receivers are perceived. I don't know exactly how they're playing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen yeah. on tape. So how is Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown, and yeah. Neil Jones, who we haven't seen yet, he actually might be healthy for this game. What do you expect from that group of wide receivers? You know, it's it's tough because um, obviously the, the departure of Allen Robinson, right? He was the true number one. And, uh, you know, Bears fans didn't want to play him uh, or pay him rather because they thought, you know, he kind of fell off last year. Darnell Mooney really had his coming out party. He had over a thousand yards despite how bad the offense was. But I think people fail to realize that. And I thought this too. I thought Darnell Mooney was ready for that number one role, but he really wasn't, right? Allen Robinson attracted all that attention. Right. So that's why Justin Fields got really comfortable with Mooney. And right now, Darnell Mooney is the number one. And there's nobody else that's kind of getting open and and be able to be a game breaker out there. So I think that's where the struggle is. Right. Because they're trying to play Darnell Mooney like a number one. And I thought he was ready for it. But I I think he's he's a really good number two. And we're just missing that number one. So somebody else needs to step up. Uh, E.K. St. Brown has been arguably our best receiver thus far. We kind of thought Cole Komet would would step up. Byron Pringles now on IR. Uh, they were they were having some big hopes for him. Um, so yeah, we we just need to get things going um, because you know obviously we just don't have the weapons uh, at receiver just like you guys. You know I think Sterling Shepard was your guys' best receiver. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt, but you know he's he's not he's not a number one to be honest. I, I respect what he does, but he's more of a number two. Um, and then you talk about Kenny Galladay. I mean, he he's really struggled. Like that was a lot of money down 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 the drain right there. You know, unfortunately, I, I guess maybe you know playing under Stafford really helped him out. And you know, you have a different quarterback and whatnot for whatever reason, he's not able to get get things going. So these are <laughs> there's so much similarities between these two teams. You know, and and I think I think you know, to combat the lack of weapons, the Bears, they're, they're really going to try to run the ball and then work the play action because they have to get Cole Komet going. That's somebody that people had big hopes for, and he really just hasn't had the targets and uh, really haven't passed the ball that, that much, to be honest. I think we have, like, the fewest attempts out of any team uh, thus far, so yes. I think that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of evident maybe in, in the confidence of Justin Fields right now. Yeah, you touched on the 21 personnel with the fullback. Do you guys use a lot of 12, 13 personnel as well? Because Dallas did that and it exploited the heck out of the Giants who want to use a lot of speed on the field, use a lot of safeties on the field, but they were forced to put their linebackers out there. And to be honest, when the Giants have multiple linebackers out there, inside linebackers, it's not their best 11. And that's another thing I feel like that Dan and I are worried about heading into this game. Yeah, so so we haven't done too much of the uh, of the twelve or thirteen personnel. It's been more of a twenty one or twenty two personnel at times. Um, I think that's where they work the best because I think you know those those downhill runs with two tight ends, a fullback, those are really tough to defend, especially in this day and age. You know, especially in in a four three scheme. You know, a lot of those a lot of those defensive ends are lighter than they used to be. So I think that's. That's where the advantage comes in. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we're going to see more of the 21 personnel. That's that's kind of their forte. 
Nice. Flipping it to the other side of the ball, Corey, I have a lot of lot of things I wanted to touch on there. So I want to start with the, the Bears are 28th, according to EPA, in rush defense. And I know a lot of that has to do with the week two performance against the Packers. But this is, like you said, a similar game plan from the Giants. They are a run-based team. They don't want to put Daniel Jones in a position to turn the ball over. They really haven't asked him to do much. And so I wanted to know what the difference was in your mind, because obviously there were two massive offseason uh, departures for the Bears. The first being Khalil Mack, which everyone knows and talks about. But to me, the bigger one is a player who I've always felt is like over the last five years, maybe one of the most underrated players in the NFL, Akeem Hicks on the yeah. interior. And so is it just in that is just is this just a situation where there are issues with the personnel as far as stopping the run? Or is it a situation where they've been out schemed? Well, so history on the Bears, right? Um, when Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano were there, um, they were able to stop the run, right? And then uh, the past few years, uh, they have not been able to stop the run. You know, that's been Chicago Bears mantra. Uh, so the past couple of years, even with Akeem Hicks and company, they haven't been able to stop the run. But I agree with you. I think he was one of the most underrated D tackles in the game. Um, but you look at this year, right, with Matt Eberflus, his success in Indianapolis, what he was able to do, you know, with uh, rush defense, uh, turnovers, takeaways. They've got the takeaways. But I thought this would be a lot more disciplined team in, in stopping the run, right? And you talked about how the Giants struggled against the Cowboys setting the edge. That has been the big thing with, with the Bears, not being able to set the edge, whether it's the defensive end, it's the free hitter, that's the cornerback or the safety coming up, and just not making plays. Guys are getting stuck on blocks too much. And you know in this league, right, everybody has a gap, right? And you do your job. No, it's not enough, right? You have to, you have to be able to play your gap, shed off it, and make a play. And we see too many people getting stuck on blocks. So that's been the most surprising thing for me, um, just because of everything that Eberflus and, and Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator, have been stressing all offseason. Hits principle, you know, we're going to stop the run. We're going to be disciplined, you know, and it's gotten better as far as penalty-wise. But in this league, if you cannot stop the run, you can't win games, right? Because then then teams, you know, they can be two-dimensional. They work the play action, then your eyes are inside. And that's what that's how the Bears have been struggling. Like if you look at the tape, Kyler Gordon, he's been picked on all, all year. Right. Because he can't stop the run off the edge. And then all of a sudden, you know, when, when you worry about the run, your eyes get inside and then all of a sudden you get beat up deep. So, you know, not only him, Eddie Jackson, that's happened to him a couple of times. Uh, our lockdown corner, though, Jalen Johnson. I mean, he's I think he has he's the fewest targeted cornerback uh, out there. I mean, he's. He's really impressive uh, this season. Big corner, uh, he could play, and it seems like guys are trying to attack opposite him. But the Bears, they have to stop the run, right? Because if you can't, um, you cannot win games. So I'm surprised that they've been two and one thus far, not being able to stop the run. So you know, this week the Giants, you know what they're going to do with, with Saquon Barkley? They're going to run downhill all day. So they're going to say, "You haven't stopped anybody. Let's, let's see if you can stop this." Two things, Corey. First, is Johnson going to play in this game? Because he missed last week. That, is that correct? Yeah, I, th I think he's leaning towards playing. Um, so I, gu I guess we'll see. Um, I think he's questionable right now. So I guess we'll see because that'd be a big loss. I know, uh, you know, you guys firepower, the receiver position is kind of up and arm, but it's always good to have him out there because he's, he's in my opinion, the shutdown corner. And, and, you know, people have been saying since he was a rookie, like this is going to be a guy's a top five cornerback. I'm sure David Sills will strike fear into his heart. But I, but I also wanted to uh, ask you, you guys want a lot of four down fronts. Is it a lot of over fronts? Yeah, so there's, it, it just depends. There, there's some under, there's some over. Uh, it just depends on, on, on the matchups. Different, different uh, games, they've done different things. So it's, it's a little combination of both. But it's that attacking style, Tampa 2, like Lovey Smith, uh, who I played under. Uh, their, their main job is penetration. And that's something we really haven't seen much of you know, the penetration against Tennessee, the, the New York giants exploited them on the edge, similar to what you were just bringing up. And the way they did it was pin pull concepts. And they really got into a groove in the second half, getting Saquon Barkley out on the edge and blocking down on the overfront, this, that three technique, and then just pulling John Feliciano, the center, and then the play side guard, similar to kind of like a G lead type of type of run yep. and then kicking out everybody. And it always just put the alley defender into a spot against Saquon Barkley, where we exactly. saw Amani hooker, isolated against Saquon Barkley and Hooker took a bad angle. And I mean, if you want to erase angles, just, just 
look at Saquon Barkley, that dude erases angles so freaking fast. So I'm just wondering exactly. if that is an area that can really be exploited, the pin-pull concept to the field side and how yeah. we, how the Bears have really kind of played those in terms of their front and those alley defenders. Exactly, especially if they're in the over front. I think the key is is the is the three technique and and the six technique, right? They have to they have to penetrate and kill that, right? Because if, if if the three technique's not penetrating, and then as well as the six technique, he's not setting that edge out there, knocking that tight end back, like that that they'll be able to run all day. So I think that's the key. That's the key matchups that we need to look at this week, especially when they're in that over front, is how they can block that that defensive end and three technique because if, if they can if they can uh, knock them down the field or neutralize them then you create those matchups like you were talking about on that free hitter and who's that six technique typically for you guys who's the best six technique to set the edge so uh Tr- Travis Gibson has has arguably been been the best but uh they they kind of they they don't have a one end travel to another. Like I know when I played, right. I was, I was usually the six technique, you know, and peppers would be opposite me. Um, but they, they kind of just play sides. So it's, so it's Robert Quinn on the one side and then Travis Gibson or Al-Kadeem Muhammad. And uh, Travis Gibson has probably been the best run defender in, in my opinion, you know, uh, defensive end um, Robert Quinn. Um, he's gotten better in, in the running game as he's got on. Cause you know, everyone knew him as a pass rusher, but past couple of years, he's been playing the run really well. So yeah, they kind of just play sides and, and yeah, if I had to pick probably Travis Gibson. Schematically speaking, one thing I found really interesting about this first year defense for the bears is that they're 31st in blitz rate, but despite that they're fourth in pressure rate. So that is obviously, you know, credit to the defense and to the scheme, the scheme that they're pulling out there, but the giants are going to struggle with this kind of team. Let's be honest. Like we just watched the tape and Dallas got there with a four man rush. Most of the game, it wasn't really, they didn't blitz very often in that game, despite the fact that they were on single high. But my question for you would be, how do the bears like to play with their safeties? First of all, are they playing a lot of, like you said, too high? Do they have a lot of that Tampa two look before the snap? Yeah. Cause that's not something the giants have seen a lot of, or it's not something they saw last week, I should say. And I feel like it's not something typically the best way to beat Daniel Jones is, is to simply just crowd the box, play one single high safety at a yeah. shallow depth and dare him to beat you over the top yeah. with David, David Sills and whoever the hell yeah. else is playing on the boundary. But was exactly. is, that, is, is that different than what we might see this week with the Bears? Yeah, it's, it's, it's that traditional Tampa too, you know, like like Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy. We'll, we'll see it. We'll see a lot of that. Like, like you said, like the, the pressure rating is is pretty good, but they really haven't registered the amount of sacks. Right. Because they want to try to get home with four. So I would I would like a little bit more blitzing, in my opinion, because looking at the tape last week, especially against Davis Mills, there was times where they had a four man rush on third and long and he was able to get outside the pocket, you know, buy some time and comp- yeah, I think he completed four or five third and longs. And, you know, in, in the defense, you can't have that happen. So I would like maybe blitz him with Roquan a little bit because early on in his career, they used to put him one-on-one on a running back all day, and, and he got a lot of sacks from that. So yeah. right now, I, I don't know if the Bears really have the personnel to, to rush the passer, you know, in that Tampa 2 yet, right? Robert Quinn uh, is a good rusher, but, you know, against two really good uh, left tackles, Tunsil and Trent Williams, he kind of struggled. Um, and then Travis Gibson, in my opinion, has been the, the best rusher thus far, right? He had a big game against Green Bay um, on that left side. But, yeah, I, I think they're going to give Daniel Jones that traditional Tampa 2 look, um, you know, tr- tr- not, not try to bring much pressure and uh, just stick to their guns. You said you played a little bit with the Tampa within the Tampa too, correct? Yeah, under Lovey Smith, under right. Lovey Smith when he, when he coaches for the Bears. So, yeah. since you have played a lot, and I'm sure you can you can best answer this for us. Say you're Giants fans right now, and you're and you're looking at this game, and you're you understand you're going to see a lot of Tampa too. As far as yeah. Daniel Jones and the Giants passing game goes, what's the what are the solutions for a quarterback when he's facing a, te- a heavy Tampa? Is it just the whole shots within it? It's like where should where what should the quarterback be looking to do to find solutions in the pass game? Yeah, so so I, th- I think that the best way to get a Tampa two is is if you can get the run game going, right? Because because then it relies on on those safeties, right? And then all of a sudden they're taking a step up, and that's when you could take a shot deep. So I think that's the the games that we really struggled the most is uh, San Francisco, right? When they had Colin Kaepernick, they had that really good rushing attack, right? And then all of a sudden they were able to have that play action. The safeties' eyes were up because we play really good run defense. You know, the safeties have to come up, make a tackle, 
and then all of a sudden you hit them over the top, right? And then all of a sudden you can get a tight end going. So Vernon Davis and company, they really torched us. Um, so that that's, that's in my opinion, how you beat that Tampa too. Um, it, it's really get the run game going and then work that play action off it. And especially that's, that's a dream situation for Daniel Jones, you know, because you talk about getting his confidence up. Um, I, I think that's the perfect situation for any quarterback that's struggling a little bit. I know we got to get out of here soon. So I wanted to ask you, Dan, first off, do you have any more specific questions for the matchup? Uh, no, you could dive into what you were thinking. Yeah. So Corey, I wanted to ask you, cause I know you played at Don Bosco. What was it like playing for coach toll? Man, it, it, it was unbelievable, man. Uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things uh, that, that, that wouldn't fly nowadays, you know, and <laughs> in the current climate of, of, of what's acceptable and what, what a coach can yell at you. And <laughs> it's, it's a little different now, but uh, you know, I think, I think he helped mold a, a lot of, a lot of young men in, into men, you know, and, and teaching us the right way to, to do, do things, you know, uh, work ethic, attitude, discipline, um, you know, the practices that we had, honestly, were harder than any college or, or, or pro practice I ever had. Like, it was it was unbelievable. Like, the stuff that we used to do and, and not have water breaks, and, and it was it was unbelievable, right? You know, you look at, looking back at it now, you get fined and you probably, get, you probably get some suspensions for some of the stuff that happened. But I think that's just how it was, you know, and, and especially I think people sleep on Jersey football, right? Because when I come from, yeah. they say, oh, no, Jersey's, Jersey's a basketball state. And I say, no, no, no. We, we got we got four of the best teams in the country all in Bergen County. So don't, don't, don't right. sleep on Jersey football. But, um, yeah, Coach Toll, I mean, I he, he's responsible for, for helping mold me into the player, you know, I became. And, and, you know, I really think if I went to my public high school, Rutherford, like I, I wouldn't have been uh, able, able to get to the NFL because I really think that just the intensity of everything, he ran everything like a college program. And that way, when I got to college, you know, the, the coaches chewing me out and stuff like that, like nothing affected me. You know, when I got to college, I, I was like, this is it. Like some of my teammates that, that, you know, were the man at their public high school, they're like, coach is yelling at me. I said, yo, this, you're mad because your coach is, is telling you what to do, yelling at you. I was like, I've, I've got called every name in the book by all my coaches. So, <laughs> you know, but I, but I think, I think, you know, New Jersey football, it, it's just a different different type of person, you know, and I think, uh, you know, people say Jersey tough and all these other sayings. I, I, I really believe that, you know, because I, I think Jersey is a different breed of people and, um, yes. you know, people, people that come here and visit, you know, my friends know, Hey, you know, we're, we're all, we're all about lifting. We're all about being tough, Tommy tough guys. You know, how it goes man. <laughs> in terms of Jersey football, man, like there's a lot of pride with Jersey for my, my cousin, Tommy is in the New Jersey football hall of fame. And he was actually, I think when you were at Don Bosco, the Bergen Catholic offensive line coach, he used to coach at Ridgewood and then he was the head coach of Immaculata for a while. And he won state at Ridge a Ridge, I believe it was. Yeah. And, uh, so I always, like uh, whenever somebody disparages New Jersey football, yeah. I, I yeah. take offense because it's just, they're, they're ill-informed. I think, would be I the think best a way. big factor in why people disparage Jersey football is just that all the best players don't really play in Jersey for college. That's the problem. They don't yeah. go to Rutgers. They end up going to Ohio exactly. State, Michigan, mm -hmm. usually big 10, sometimes, you know, some of the Southern schools, but as long as we're doing some fun questions, let me wrap up with just a quick rapid fire, all surrounding one topic that anyone who listens <laughs> to this podcast knows is dear and near and dear to my heart. And that's the Wisconsin Badger. So I want to start by asking you have <laughs> played at Northwestern. How underrated and amazing of a college town is Madison? Man, it, it, it is, it is a dope college town. Um, yeah, I'm not going to front, you know, Northwestern was a small school. Um, the, 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 the great thing is we had Chicago and, you know, our backseat. Yeah. So it was great to have that, but Wisconsin, um, you know, over there in Madison and the, the, the dopest tradition, in my opinion, one of them is, is that jump around, you know, in, in, that, in that fourth quarter. Um, it's, it's pretty dope to see. I played there twice. Um, and, yeah, it was awesome. Play, played against Joe Thomas. Um, yeah, absolute beast. Um, yeah, when, when John Stocko was the quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was awesome playing there. You know, all, all the Big Ten stadiums in general, like th those are some of the best stadiums out there. You look at Michigan. Ohio State, you know, Penn State, uh, unbelievable, the traditions, you know, you, you could go across the board. Um, it's arguably, you know, SEC and Big Ten are the two best conferences. So um, it was it was great playing, playing some Big Ten football. 
One more quick question, Corey, just because you play in the NFL, face so many talented offensive linemen. Who was the most difficult offensive lineman that you had to face? Man, I would probably say uh, probably Trent Williams, Jason Peters. Um, yeah, the, pro- probably probably those two, um, just because they were so athletic and so strong. I think that's the biggest thing. Both of them, I think, ran like a four six or something like that. And right. you know, Trent Williams. Now they show him like pulling on on. He has some formations where he pulls, and it's like him running full speed four six at three thirty. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. So those two, I mean, you know, arguably, arguably two of the best to ever do it, you know? Um, and I feel like people don't talk about them enough. You know, when you talk about the elite left tackles, right. They, they talk about a lot of other people, but, um, I think those are two of the best to, to ever do it. You know, I think their size though, like, especially Jason Peters, I think six, four. So a lot of people sleep on him, but he, he played great for Philly for a bunch of years. Yeah, it's always those linemen who have the feet. I mean, I remember watching it was I think it was when Trent Williams was still with the Commanders and Adrian Peterson was coming over there and they were they were both rehabbing from injuries in the offseason. They were running agility drills and Williams was running the drill as well as Adrian Peterson. I was like, yeah. this is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. At 330. At 3.30, exactly. Yeah. I do have a couple more Badgers ones, though. One a quick one right here. Uh, I'll do I'll, right. leave, I'll do one more. The Bears have a Badger in on the team now, undrafted free agent, who I actually thought should have been drafted. Uh, personally, I think right now, if he was on the Giants, he'd be playing over any of their linebackers besides maybe Tay Crowder. And personally, I'd rather have him in versus Tay Crowder. His name's Jack Sanborn. Has he made any leeway on the roster over there? I know he's an undersized dude, uh, maybe not the most athletic guy, but has he, yeah. has, is, he is he playing just specials? Is he doing anything yet? Yeah, I, I think he's playing specials mostly, but he, he had a pretty good preseason, especially in the special teams game. And, hey, as a young guy, that, that's how you get noticed, right? And then you play your role for a couple of years in special teams, and then you get an opportunity when somebody gets hurt, and then all of a sudden you could be the next starter for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. So, um, yeah, I, I remember seeing him in a Wisconsin uniform, like torching Northwestern, you know, for years. So it's it's – Wisconsin always has those guys, those linebackers, especially linebackers and running backs. Those those are the two strengths, yeah. obviously, offensive line as well. But those, those positions, usually Wisconsin has great ones. Yeah, we're quietly becoming a little bit of a linebacker. You, as I always like to say, in my biased opinion, because it is totally biased. <laughs> There's definitely teams of better linebackers out there. But thank you so much for joining us today, Corey. This was an awesome discussion about the matchup, about your career and things of that nature. We really appreciate it. Before we get out of here, why don't you tell everyone not only where they can find your work on maybe social media, but also how they can mm-hmm. listen to you and things of that nature. Certainly. You, you can follow me on social media, on Instagram or Twitter, at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's, two T's, O-N. Uh, you can find me on Fox 32 in Chicago. I'm also doing stuff with the Believe Network. We do a podcast. We partnered up with Sirius XM as well. And then CHGO, um, it's, a, it's a streaming podcast uh, that covers uh, the Bears during the season. So, yeah, you can find me on any of those. And uh, appreciate you guys having me on here. Corey, it was a pleasure, man. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you, guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst, and the recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. I've tried Liquid Death, and I am still here. I'm not plastic. 
nor am I thirsty anymore because my former parched state was quenched by the tart acidic taste of one of their flavors, severed lime. The lime became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor, mango chainsaw, which combines real agave nectar with leatherface to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit, go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, bury it alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com slash BIGBLUE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, Nick, that was a lot of fun talking football with Corey Wooten, Bears Preview. I think we hit a lot of the key matchups here, so let's just keep it on predictions right now. Start us off. Give us a prediction for this game. We were wrong last week. We both picked the Giants to beat the Cowboys, unfortunately. That was wrong, but I think we got the first two right. No, I don't think we had them over the Titans, so we're one for two on these things. we got to stop seeing eye to eye, and I think this is going to be just like last week, and it might be like this every game, Dan. Sloppy, ugly, gross. The only fantasy players you want to start are the running backs and the field goal kickers. I'm going to go with a 19 to 13 win for the Giants. I think the keys to the game are just shutting down Khalil Herbert and confusing the heck out of Justin Fields, containing him within the pocket as well is going to be important in terms of the offense. They just need to stick with the rushing attack with Saquon Barkley and then work the quick hitters with Daniel Jones. I'm wondering if they're going to spy Daniel Jones, because if you watch that tape, 70, what was it? 79, 78 yards on the ground. There's no way the bears are probably going to allow him to do that. So I'm interested to see how Kafka can alter his game plan to take advantage of what the bears do. So I'm going to go with 1913 giants. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. We talked about it a lot with Corey. It's two teams that are very similar. There is one major difference, though. Like, schematically speaking, the Bears defense is just nothing like Wink Martindale defense. So there is one major difference, and I think that will play out in this game, and we'll see the impact of that. My big thing here is, like, yes, there are some teams that are dealing with bigger name injuries. Like, for example, the Chargers lost Bosa and Slater, two of the best players in the NFL in the trenches. That's unbelievably hard to return. But the Giants just seem to me, Mick, Nick, to be dealing with such a slew of injuries. It's just like now Cordell Flott is in, walking on a scooter and he's going to be out for like they think a few weeks. No Wondell Robinson again. No Tony. No Robinson. Leonard Williams. Just so many injuries across the board every single week. So it's like this is not the team that it could be. Having said that, having said that. I think the Giants are going to finally find like I think they're going to find as much success in this game running as they did in week one. I think it's going to be their best running game that they've had since then, despite that, you know, the fact that Barkley did have a lot of yards in that game last week. um, I think they'll find even more success there, despite also me agreeing with what you said. They're not going to let Daniel Jones run in this one. It's going to be a different game plan. And in general, it's going to be harder for him to run against a Tampa two defense anyway. That's just not how it's set up schematically like the last game set up very well. So I don't think we're going to get much in the passing game. I think we're going to get a ton in the running game. I think we're going to give up a ton in the running game, too, to be completely honest. Like, yeah, the Giants know the Bears want to run. So what? They knew the Cowboys wanted to run. They still gave up a ton of yards. They're going to fix some things like that they gave up on film last week. Even you said it in the film breakdown uh, yesterday, Nick, on the defensive podcast. You're like, look, in the second half, they did do some things to take away what was working for Dallas on the edge runs. But even so, Dallas found success. They had a 10-yard run up the middle with Tony Pollard. So... I just don't see this defense slowing their run game down. I don't see their defense slowing our run game down. So I think there'll be a little bit more points than what you're projecting. I'm going with 23 to to 16 Giants. Uh, So still very field goal heavy, but just a couple more TDs, I guess, than you might be projecting. I could see this game 
being decided by a defensive touchdown on either side of the ball. I'm hoping that the Giants will be the ones that do it with a sack force fumble. It would have to be that for me. I just don't foresee this Giants team having many interceptions this year based on the personnel back there. Uh, what do they have? Zero interceptions this year so far. McKinney's basically the only one who could do it, in my opinion, uh, from that group. So Bears, on the other hand, Tampa 2 defense, it could easily happen. So I am definitely worried, but I am still predicting the Giants to win 23 to 16 with a bit of a coaching edge, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. That's where I'm at as well. Obviously, my score is 19 to 13, but I do think the Giants should come away with this. Maybe not should, but they're at home. Justin right. Fields is struggling. I think Wink Martindale can just absolutely take advantage of what they want to do when they do decide to pass the football, which is very rare. They average 15 throws a game. It's just absolutely insane. And I think from the coaching standpoint, the Giants should win this football game. But like we said, basically every week, no team in the NFL, the Giants line up against, and it's like a guaranteed win. They're just right. not that type of football team right now. But hopefully by the end of Sunday, we're looking at a 3-1 and one New York Giants squad. Yeah, and it's important to note that like they have to be three and one after this game because they go into the Packers and Ravens, and they're not going to beat those teams most likely. Yeah, the Packers, they have a weird potential chance to maybe keep that close, but no, not really because just because they're struggling, the Packers, but no, not really because Aaron Rodgers is going to torch a Wink Barndale defense. He's too good. He processes things too fast. There's no real way to play him, and they run the ball well. And then as for Lamar Jackson, I do not even want to like my one hope in that game, Nick, is like, ooh, Wink Barndale's practice against him for so long he knows how to stop him then i'm like with what personnel like with what personnel do the giants have on the second and third levels they can stop anyone right now that's good at quarterback and so we'll see what happens there but i think in my opinion this is a must win game for the giants and i think what it comes down to is what you said it's similar to that week two game against carolina being that it's at home and they're a very similar team but in the sense that they have a quarterback who's struggling and probably can't take advantage of the Giants defense and Justin Fields versus Baker Mayfield. But the one concern would be that the Bears run game, you know, using a fullback, which forces the Giants to play heavier personnel, which sucks for us. And just having more diversity to their run game than the Ben McAdoo inside zone run game or whatever the hell he was trying to do there in that game is going to hurt the Giants. But then I at least think on the other side, Nick, well, that Carolina defense is better than that Bears defense against the run. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it play out. Hopefully the Giants come out on top. We need it. So thank you for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. We both predict another win. Shocker. <laughs> well, we didn't do it in week one, so it's not a total shocker. But um, it's the opponents, man. You. Yeah, These opponents, like, they, they haven't really been – like if it was Dak Prescott, we would have picked the loss, but it was Cooper Rush, and Cooper Rush proved us to be fools because he played really yeah. well within the offense he of really Kellen Moore. It was wild. Cooper Rush is wild. Um, but let's I think like crazy enough, I feel like the Giants are getting an easier matchup against Justin Fields than Cooper Rush. Who would have said that? And obviously part of that is that I just have no faith in this Bears offensive line or in the fact that like Justin Fields is in week three, week what four of a new system versus Cooper Rush, who's been in that Kellen Moore system forever. Nick is uh Nick has been grinding the film for a while. He's been he's been playing a me not sleeping, which is just not great. But I think you, you caught up last night, right, buddy? Uh, no, not last night. Two nights ago. What the hell? You were supposed to. You were supposed to catch up. I had a hockey last game last night. Last night was hockey, where you brought the Michelobes. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't my turn to bring the beer this time. What did you end up going with, by the way? It was like the. When I ended up going with Blue Moon, right? Moon. Blue Moon, uh, and, and people didn't complain. People didn't complain. Actually, one of my teammates gave me a free hockey game. bag. Gave me a free hockey bag. You know, I was like, oh, not because I didn't of that. Though. He just did that anyway. Yeah, he was just not. And it wasn't because of the beer. How many Blue Moons can you drink? Bag. Those things are like so heavy. I haven't had a blue moon in over a decade and I have no idea. <laughs> They're all the wheat beers. I can have like one wheat beer and somewhat enjoy it if it's an Allagash white and then just be die any more than that. might feel so full and so bloated, but it is what it is. He tried, he tried, he said, I don't want to do Nick. I, I honestly think Mickey's are better than, than blue moons as far as like drinking heavy. But what do you guys do? Is it just like you bring beers and you have one beer and you go with your day or is it like a going out you're drinking they're doing drinking games like, no what is no it? the games are at like 10 11 30 at night and we just so one after the thing. game we pop a beer and well they pop a beer and i say you know thank you oh you don't drink one beer no no oh my god i, I don't dude. i i don't see the the like i just burn so many calories out there why am i going to ingest calories that i don't care about before i have to drive 25 minutes back to my house from peoria to goodyear like i'm not doing that there's a lot of logic behind your decision not to, but at the same time, is it? It's not the best social move. I would guess I was as how I would describe. Also, it's not even just a social move. Okay, look, I agree. I'm actually a big believer that I hate like when you're going out or wait, like let's say you're going to dinner 
It's like, should I have a beer with dinner? And people are always like, I gotta have a beer with dinner. I don't like having it. Sometimes I'd rather have just like a soda. Both are horrible for me. And I get more enjoyment out of one soda than one beer because one beer doesn't get me drunk or buzzed at all. So I respect that take from that standpoint. Having said that, having said that, a beer after a long hike is one of my favorite things. Like I just feel like when you're doing all that physical exertion, like a hockey practice or a game, it is kind of like rewarding and just like relaxing. It's just like a nice feeling to have that beer, but it's different for you. I know because you never really drank beer. So you didn't really ever like, I enjoy the taste of beer. I'm sure you just don't like the taste at all. It's very acidic. It's not my thing. Yeah. yeah I get it. it. It is what it is. I hope they don't judge you for not having the, are you the only one who doesn't drink a post game beer? No, nah, no, nah, there's plenty of guys who don't. I have plenty is definitely a stretch. There's no shot. There's more than like, there's probably like four, up. four or five, maybe. And we need a we need a census. Somebody we need a recount on that. There's no shot. There's four or five, but I'll give you one other maybe if you're lucky. But anyway, thank you for tuning into the Big Boo Banter podcast and a little bit of post hockey practice talk here. Uh, we're having some fun with it. We're probably gonna be done for the week. I think right, Nick. It's been a long week for both of us. Mailbag next week maybe. First, we have to figure out this iTunes issue oh, yeah, with is Blue disaster. Wire, which is, you know, it's not the defensive all 22 is live right now. Go and check it out on Spotify or wherever else you get the podcast other than iTunes. If it's not already on your iTunes, because they have an issue on their end and they need to unf that yeah. crap. Yeah, actually, it's not. I checked just before the podcast, not on my iTunes yet either. So hopefully that gets fixed. If you are looking for the defensive film podcast, though, you can, like Nick said, get it on other platforms. But anyway, guys, have the rest of your week. Go Giants. Yeah, it's still not a 19. That sucks. Just like but go Giants. Let's do this thing. Three and one, baby. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.